Hello everyone, we have a special guest, Kajal, not a stranger on my channel and also like we've, we've been in like so many things together with Clubhouse and a lot of other events as well. So thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. So excited for this. I have a lot of questions for you, which honestly I've like been saving it for this podcast episode. Like I'm not going to be messaging you on this. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking your time all this weekend for this. No, no, thanks for having me. And I'm actually slightly like scared of what you're going to be asking me <laughs> because I'm just like hmm are you like well, I'm because I'm not even sure what you're going to ask me today <laughs> yeah like actually something that I've been doing recently is that usually for my podcast I give the questions ahead of time I stopped doing that so now it's like yeah. we'll get the true honesty uh but I mean I mean you could just say whatever you're comfortable with saying I don't think I'm asking many questions that are like oh my god I need some time to think about this but okay yeah, so hopefully we get a pretty good conversation and we want to make this as conversational as possible. So uh, I'm going to first start off and say, can you do a short introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Kajal. I work at Deloitte. I spent four years there and I now do work in our proposition design and experience design team where I basically help to come up with new experiences, new ideas, um, which um, and new products for my clients as well. Um, what do I like to do? I like to read a lot. I read so much. I write like elven stories. <laughs> oh, I'm just giving away too many secrets. People are not going to think I'm cool. Um, and yeah, I just like to go for, I like to travel. I like, you know, chilling with my friends and um, also have a YouTube channel where I talk about uh, management consulting as well. You said that you're now in, what was it? Proposition? Proposition. So in Deloitte, we um, are split into different teams. So one okay. of them is like customer and marketing. And within that, I sit in our customer strategy and applied mm -hmm. design. So essentially I come up with new products, new ideas, um, new experiences. So, and then basically help the client to build them as well. Um, so most so right now I'm actually working on a loyalty like proposition review. So this, mm -hmm. my client has a loyalty scheme um, and they're trying to deliver another version of it. Um, they are going unfortunately horribly horribly wrong so they've asked us to come in and review the project review the the actual strategy and the proposition the technology the architecture behind it as well as like the program management and everything as well so i do have an icebreaker i ask every single podcast guest of mine so if you had all the time in the world what would you be doing i would be traveling and writing i think mm. i actually think that corporate culture has really dumbed me down and I feel like um, my creativity is like lost. So mm. before I joined consulting, I used to write a lot. I used to read even more. Um, and I and I feel like even when I sit down now to write something, it's just like cool. There's like corporate jargon coming out of my mouth, and I'm just like, this isn't like this isn't normal. This is not what I. This is not who I am. So I would just be reading, writing, uh, traveling the world. I think I think that's what I would probably be doing and making videos. Like I didn't really mm -hmm. um, initially when I started. I was like making videos was a little bit of effort. I'm not going to lie because after work sitting down and like trying yeah. to video stuff, talking about work again, um, which is great. I love to do it, but I now love it even more because I'm trying to bring my personality a bit out there as well. So I feel mm -hmm. like I am also being myself a little bit more. Like YouTube is helping me find my identity, I think again. 
basically. <laughs> That's so inspirational. I remember when I was watching your video, I, it was literally just yesterday about like all these questions that people ask you. It was like, oh, from the very beginning, I could see the transformation of you being a lot more comfortable on camera. I, I couldn't tell if that was the case or maybe you just felt like, oh, I need to show a professional self because my clients and my team is looking at me. The, the, the latter. I, okay, I'm okay. definitely, I think I could be like that on camera. Um, but I think I, I wanted to come across as professional because I was worried what would my clients mm. or my colleagues say. Um, and at the end of the day, like I am representing my firm in yeah. a way. And I did this mistake. I realized that actually I shouldn't have said where I work because because of mm. where I say because now I say where I work, it means everything I do is kind of reflection on them. If I just said I worked at a big four firm, it'll be completely fine, I think. So mm. I'm kind of like um paying for my mistakes right now <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of curious about this now like now that you've like rediscovered yourself whenever it comes to your YouTube channel do you feel like you've brought that personality into work as well or do you feel like there's a strong divide right there I think no so I am who I am with my okay. team completely but with my client I would definitely be some someone you know a bit more professional so the side you see probably initially you, which we all saw on YouTube of myself was me, my side to my clients mm-hmm. but let's say that last video of my 5,000 subscriber video where my like my personality was out there um, that's me with my team mm-hmm. and that and so I was treating YouTube in a way like clients watching it but now I'm trying to treat it like my friends are watching me at mm-hmm. the end of the day that's how that's like my mind shifted a bit more yeah, I think like this is constantly going to be our struggle. I know for me, I've just like, I don't care. <laughs> if they find yeah, my videos, I'm just yeah. going to show, I'm going to be proud that I'm a crazy cat lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And I, you've done it from day one. For me, it's been a real journey for me to mm. like show myself. Like you've been amazing. The way you've done it and the way you put your personality out there from day one has been amazing. But I've just found it a big struggle. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, who cares now? <laughs> I'm kind of getting to that as well. So now I'm just... Yeah, I, I am trying to be myself a little bit more. Um, but it's also like, okay, I don't want to bore people with my personality. So I'm just like, hmm, yeah, maybe they don't want to hear this. So then that's why you kind of just see like the short crisp videos. It's just like me saying educational mm-hmm. uh, advice rather than my personality because I'm just like, people don't want to see this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so speaking of you as a person, what are your current aspirations in life? I know there's like a deep question on a Saturday oh, morning, but what well, yeah, not for you, but... <laughs> Well, it's your Saturday afternoon and I'm slightly hanging. So (laughs) Um, I think this is a really, this is a tough question because I'm kind of trying to think about this in my head. I've got so many Mm. different routes you can go. I think the next thing for me is like, I want to build my YouTube. I think that's my main priority. And then everything else comes secondary to me right now. Mm -hmm. So YouTube is my current short-term like goal to kind of build. Um, And then, you know, in the long-term, maybe having my own business or something would be, would be brilliant. So Mm -hmm. What do you actually see as the future of your YouTube channel? Like, what do you want it to develop into? So I wanted to develop into career, entrepreneurship and productivity advice, but also like my travel vlogs, mm. you know, a little bit about me and um, and my myself as well. So it's a struggle. Like, do I put that content onto this, this channel or do I create a separate one? So mm. I'm just like, no, I'm going to try and put everything on one. But I do feel like it's too much on one thing um, initially. So I'm just starting off with the career stuff. Now slowly doing a little bit more productivity and like entrepreneurship stuff. I would love to talk about investing and other passions, which I'm really interested in, uh, which hopefully other people can relate to as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's actually kind of like a struggle that I constantly have. It's like, no, oh, you know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. What about was, you? Like, what, what do you want to you do? Yeah, I was like, okay, I know like most people know me for tech consulting. They come to my YouTube channel for tech consulting, but I also have content on personal development, money, and then I also have vlogs. And more people are saying they want vlogs. I'm like, my life is so boring. <laughs> like, what do you want? I, I feel the same though. And I feel like <laughs> vlogs do the best on YouTube, but people on YouTube um, love vlogs, even if you're not mm-hmm. doing anything. Yeah. So then they're just like relating to that person. So I've done this as well. Like for me, like I've always had this thought in my head, just like you, like, oh, vlogs, you know, it's just like a vlog, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting at my desk working all day. <laughs> but people, people love that for some reason. So yeah, if you, if you enjoy, you know, working with us, we can do a work vlog or something. They, they love this. Yeah, I actually did record a video. It's coming up. I think it's coming out next week or so. Amazing. And it's really just like, what am I doing in the following year? Because I did focus a lot more on technology consulting. I'm not leaving from technology consulting content. I'm still going to go over it. But I was just like, okay, so what can I do to make it a little bit more interactive, a little bit more fun? Because if you stick with the same content all the time, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit boring. Yeah. So doing more vlogs was something I wanted to try, which is actually kind of why I got the DJI Pocket 2. I'm like obsessed with it. So if you want to do more <laughs> vlogging, you should get it. Uh, but it's just something that like this, this DJI Pocket 2 actually makes me want to pick it up and vlog, even mm-hmm. though I normally don't like to vlog. Uh, but it does get me to think about like, oh, what could I possibly talk about? It's not just about my life. I could talk about mm-hmm. topics while I'm doing my vlogging. Life. Yeah, love yeah, like, do that actually. Even exactly. when you make tea, talking about whatever you want, about cats, whatever you want, you do it, <laughs> girl, you do it. And I'm looking forward to your London vlogs. <laughs> Thanks. I need to do some more. I've been trying. But it's just difficult um, because I'm like, do I record every single day of my la- my second or do I just pick it up and just like, just, you know, talk? It, it's, it's a bit fragmented. Like this is off the record, by the way, but I'm yeah. doing my vlogs. I'm <laughs> really fragmented right now, which is why I've not uploaded anything to the vlogs yet. So I'm mm. trying to still like learn. Um, and I think like basically because I haven't done a vlog in a very long time, I've only done one vlog. I think my next vlog needs to be like, bam, wow, in a way. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It needs to be like a good vlog, I think, because I, I rarely do them. So I want, so I want to put a lot of effort into the next vlog. I think mm-hmm. maybe let's see. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a question I do have for you is, what is something that most people don't know about you? And I know, like, you've been dropping little secrets here and there, but what is the one that you have not covered everywhere? I know, like, oh. you dropped one in Consulting Guys podcast too, but. I did <laughs> that one now I can't say oh, okay. um I don't know I, I do feel I'm, I'm quite open mm-hmm. about myself oh god this is different this is difficult I actually don't know <laughs> I feel like I do say quite a lot like there's nothing there's nothing like interesting mm-hmm. I like there actually isn't like Christine I'm being serious it actually isn't. <laughs> um the most interesting one was the one that I dropped on consulting guys podcast mm-hmm. but, yeah um Oh, okay. How about this? I love, um, I used to draw manga. How about that? I learned about that in your, <sighs> in your 5,000 subscribers. You know this. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. but like, I mean, not, not a lot of people in my audience probably know about that, <laughs> but when you said that, I was like, oh girl, you I like, I, mean- I might have some, oh my God. I have one here. Let's check me here. <laughs> Is this what I used to draw? Oh my God. Oh. You still have that readily available? Like, do you? I don't know. I just like have loads around. Oh That's like I have them. So, were you yeah. like a fan of anime and manga then, and then you just like wanted to be like a someone who has their own comic book kind of thing, or you just like yeah. 
that's yeah initially like when I was like this is like from this by the way those drawings from when I was 11 by the way like 11 12 <laughs> like so old like young ago so long ago but I used to watch a lot of anime uh, mm-hmm. back then and I used to read a lot of manga so then I was like oh let me see if I can try and do my own comic book didn't really work so <laughs> so what's your favorite anime and what's your favorite manga okay um I mean nothing beats Avatar and I know this is like a very like <laughs> standard anime there's loads of obviously there's such good ones um mm-hmm. that you know that comes out but obviously like avatar is like if i had if i had nothing to do i would put avatar on in the background mm-hmm. just just to watch because i just love that i can watch it again and again my favorite manga oh my god <laughs> oh god there's one which i really like it's called Orin high school host club oh that was my like i think it was my very first one ever that was my that gateway. was one of my <laughs> that was my second one I ever read when I was when I was really young and I, I and I'm picking that one just because I can still remember that one vividly in my head mm-hmm. so yeah I love that and actually there was another one called The Bride of um, Hebeck that's actually my favorite The Bride of Hebeck yeah I've never heard that one before, everyone so. needs to like read that one <laughs> how do you spell it Hebeck H-E-B-E-K I think Sounds good. I've been like so into the shoujo manga, so I'm like, Me I'm too. always. I love shoujo manga. You need to read Vampire Night. Vampire Night is so. Oh, good. I I watched that. I read that. I honestly, I'm not a huge fan of it. I love Vampire Night. Is better, yeah. Vampire Night was my first one I ever read when I was like mm. 11. That's why I know that's like my go-to first one I ever read. And then it was high school, high school or in high school, high school club. <laughs> but my favorite one, by the way, is bride of her back so that one's definitely should be on your list okay so I'm kind of curious uh are you an introvert or an extrovert um I've heard this tab called is it like uh, amiavert Amber- like yeah I've definitely really extroverted with my like when with my friends or like okay. when I'm speaking but then when I'm um just like in my room I'd be really introverted I'll just be like I think in my house actually I'm very introvert no okay no, it depends. Okay, I'm really bad at answering your questions today. Okay, let's start this again. Um, I think it really depends. I There's definitely a term called the amniovert, and mm-hmm. I am definitely extroverted, but I'm also very introverted, and it just depends on literally how I woke up in the morning. So there's some days which I'm really introverted, and I don't want to speak to anyone. There's some days which I'm really extroverted and just, like, full of energy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's definitely me. Okay. Yeah. This is the one that I could not really pin on you, to be honest. Yeah. I was like, which one are you? You, you act extroverted, but I don't know, like maybe yeah. that's just how you want to be on camera because why would anyone want to listen to someone drawn like this forever? But actually everyone loves Kelly, Kelly stamps. Everyone mm-hmm. loves Kelly stamps and she's introverted. I think, yeah. but I definitely, um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely full of energy. Like if there's one word which would define me is energy, but I'm definitely very introverted when I'm like by myself or mm-hmm. just days where I just don't want to speak to anyone okay. it's like zero or hundred for me either okay. really. <laughs> all right so I do have a few other questions that I do want to ask you so what or who shaped you to who you are today oh my mom for sure hundred <laughs> percent um my mom has definitely rubbed off me I think everyone says I'm like 99% like her. So you see, (laughs) it's basically my mom. But no, she's definitely been the inspiration and the Mm -hmm. the person who shaped me the most um, in my life. Yeah, for sure. So is it mostly through your personality, maybe your goals and values as well? I think everything from like personality um, to also like my temperament (laughs) (laughs) to, um, yeah, my, my goals and my values, I think, is both my parents for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think, but but like I'm not sure how it is in your family, but the typical brown family always ends up you pushing your goals even further and further. Yeah. So I do think that, you know, that is who has shaped me and, you know, that ethic in a way mm-hmm. has actually helped me rather than hinder me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have definitely been the big, like, you know, inspirations in my life, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on the vein of consulting, so you came from a physics background, startups and now consulting. Can you give us a rundown of your career path thus far? Like, I know you mentioned startups, but when I was on your LinkedIn, I was like, hmm. I, I didn't really see much on there. So I was kind of curious about like, what were the experiences like? Did you start an idea? Did someone try to like add you on as a founder or were you actually just joining on like a pre-existing startup? Yeah, so I've worked on a few startups. A couple was, I actually started my own and with my own idea. Um, another couple, basically I worked with another individual who came with me to me with our, that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was obviously at a time where I basically put all my hands into different baskets Mm -hmm. I was trying out different things as well around when I was working with this other individual so um learned a lot from working on those startups um and essentially I could never scale my ideas Mm -hmm. so I decided to come to big four to learn that and take it away but I'm still here (laughs) I'm still here so are you kind of like tabling that idea for you to use Deloitte as like a little playground and then after Deloitte you would bring it back up uh, yeah, that's what my original plan was. I don't think that I will go back to working on a tech startup because I was working on tech okay. startups. I think, um, look, there's always room for another idea, but it's just so saturated. And I think people really over um, hype how amazing it is to work on your own startup. Yeah, I think it's actually very difficult uh, a very a big struggle and I just think that I'd rather spend my time on doing I like if it's an idea which I'm I'm like wow I really believe in it and you know I think it's going to change the world right like an Elon Musk <laughs> idea for instance okay then yeah obviously I'd do it but sometimes a lot of people what they do is that they work on startups just because they want to be an entrepreneur yeah rather than actually like falling in love with that idea and think mm-hmm. it's going to change the world they just think it's a problem which people can you know you need to solve um if it's an idea like that I don't think I'd go and do it now I think I think that you know there are other things which make me happy and there are other things which I enjoy doing mm-hmm. um but if it was an idea like oh Elon must change the world you know I then obviously I'd probably do it but right now I don't think I'm going to go back into the startup life I might start my own business on mm-hmm. the side which is very different to working in the startup world but um, but yeah, I like going down the business route is probably what I would pr- potentially do, actually. Okay. So if you were to start your own business, what would that be? Or is that still under the wraps? No, no, no. It's like, it, like it really, it'd probably be initially right now. Um, it would be consulting for other firms or mm-hmm. consulting for other people. That's what originally, like, like I'd love to do that on the side. Um, but obviously I work for Deloitte, so I can't do that right now. <laughs> um, but that would be a business which I would love to do for sure, hundred percent. Okay. So this is the one I'm a little bit curious about because you come from physics and startup background. How did you even find out about consulting? Because I feel like a lot of people don't even know about that until they know someone that's in consulting. It was honestly me going to a careers fair. I didn't know anyone in consulting when I applied. I didn't know anyone in consulting either. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I actually spoke to people who were consultants apart from going to insight days. 
Um, so I found out about it in a careers first, sounded really interesting. So I was like, hey, let me let me check it out. Looked really interesting, went to a few insight days, loved mm-hmm. them, and then decided to actually apply for consulting. But I feel like you have to be really sure before you apply for a job, because I feel like your first job kind of makes, or it kind of shapes your career in a way. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I did a bit of due, due diligence before I decided to apply for consulting. Okay. So did you learn about consulting before you entered the startup space or you went to these career fairs while you were doing these startups? While I was doing them. Okay. So um, I had worked, okay, my first, honestly, my first idea was working on my own jewelry e-commerce brand when I was 11, 12 mm-hmm. years old, so when I was very, very young. Um, and then like in uni, I worked on tech startup ideas mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, a product-based one um during that time during this um not the second year it was the third year of uni I was working on one key idea which we were driving at that time um and like when things were getting faulty I think also my mom and my dad were like okay you need to like find a job because mm-hmm. you know when you come back when you come from like an Asian family they're like hey you need to find a job you being your own entrepreneur it's not giving you any stable income mm-hmm. at the end of the day right so I completely understand where they're coming from um because for them having a stable stable income is or like you know it's difficult for people especially like migrants yeah. who come right from other countries yeah. so that's kind of like your end goal is to have like a stable income so um so I did went to careers first and should just do keep them happy <laughs> but I did find out about consulting there I was like oh this sounds interesting and then I decided mm-hmm. to apply okay so this is the part that I was actually really curious about so now you're at Deloitte you went from ventures tech digital and strategy and now you're in customer strategy and product and now your proposition design customer experience innovation it's like a mouthful there but yeah, yeah. how did you pivot through that was this something that like when you came into consulting you were already in that sphere or maybe it was something that you networked into uh, and not to mention like it seemed I mean they're kind of related but how did you jump from them was it mostly the projects that dictated or were you actually physically moving where you were within I um I okay a physical move was when I went to ventures okay so I moved op units or I got seconded so uh, I got seconded to the op units so basically I I actually moved essentially mm-hmm. um but then I did another move when I went to digital basically mm-hmm. so but my strategy pro- but basically projects wise um I networked to get onto strategy monitor projects. I networked to get into digital projects as well. I networked even to get onto the into the ventures basically. So what the the thing that helped me do all of that was networking. Mm-hmm. Um and also just knowing my shit. So because I came from the startup space, yeah. I was like, ventures sounds so cool. And that's exactly where I think I see myself, you know. So I decided to just like reach out to an individual. Um who, who who was leading one part of the ventures team mm-hmm. didn't know that in the first basically the first meeting I had with him was kind of like an interview in a way like he was asking like what's your favorite startup why like you know what like you know why why this startup mm-hmm. you know uh, what other startups have you seen in this space you know it was a conversation but actually he was interviewing me to know to understand if I was actually passionate because mm-hmm. a lot of people just say that they you know want to move or try this thing without really being passionate or doing their the, the research yeah so I think being prepared and also networking was my two things which helped me mm-hmm. to get onto these projects to be honest so what were the difference in projects for that like for ventures I'm like 
what kind of projects do we expect? <laughs> so in Ventures in the UK, it's a little bit different. Um, okay. You have one, which is like a, an incubator. Mm-hmm. So one, one side of it is an incubator, but also um, that's an incubator for products for your own firm. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and the other side was valuing finding new startups and which I was kind of working on that side a little bit more mm-hmm. I also did work with the IOT team specifically to to kind of do projects with them um and sell products like sell sell products in a way which was quite interesting mm-hmm. um I had a point though hold on, I forgot <laughs> forgot this point Wait, so when you were valuing startups, was that for Deloitte to acquire or for your clients to acquire? No, for Deloitte to invest okay. in. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And um, Deloitte, so I didn't specifically do the valuations, but I helped to find and um I mean, the whole startup process is very, very long. Is you have to find them, you then you have to filter through them, understand the team, the people, the actual product, and you know, validate them. Um, and then you end up valuing them, and then you end up deciding, you know, through a few things. So I used to do talk, work on bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Actually, mostly initially that stuff was mostly through uh, like PD work. Most of the stuff was initially extracurricular activities, and then I was actually working on a iot project at that time and helping to build the iot um part in ventures specifically Mm -hmm. um so that valuation side of finding startups was just my enjoyment because i actually enjoyed going to um events and finding startups talking to them bringing them back you know uh, validating them verifying who the team the people and the product and um and yeah I i found i just loved doing it and that's why um I think people could see that I actually enjoyed doing it and I wanted to actually help build the team, which is why, um, you know, I, I think I ended up being part of that team for a bit. Yeah. All right. So when you were in customer strategy and product and proposition design, customer experience, like what kind of projects did you have then? And I mean, like, I know you probably have a lot of them right now, but what were the differences in projects? So, okay. So tech consulting, Yeah. when I first started was, Actually, I was, um, it wasn't really tech consulting. It was more like the first project was helping to manage all their vendors mm-hmm. in in a, in a in the first project I joined when, like four years ago. Then I did another project. Um, sorry, sorry, let me start, sorry, let me start this one again. Yep. Um, so when I first joined Deloitte, I did a project in tech consulting, which was initially um, a little bit about managing their vendors and then a couple of other projects on operating, like, like, like the technology operating model, yeah. the technology strategy. But now in um, customer marketing, which is the more digital side, I literally help to come up with new ideas for mm-hmm. products and helping to build them. I also help to design new customer employee experiences, mm-hmm. um, you know, digital online. I also help to um, build these experiences out. So um, help to build products. So for instance, um, a project which I potentially am moving on to is helping to reshape the digital function mm-hmm. um, to understand firstly what this operating model is, what ex- what um, they want, they have a key focus on their mobile on their mobile sorry their key focus is to be able to sell via e-commerce yep. which they don't do right now so um helping to come up with okay what are those journeys what should it look like 
you know, what what uh, products should we be using, like, you know, mobile apps or what, whatever, right? Um, and then how does it all work end-to-end -end online and in-store? Um, and then helping to build these products out. That's essentially okay. what I've been doing a little bit more recently. Okay, so is that, are you taking on like a product manager role in this? Really depends on each project. Okay. So there are, there's projects where I'm just working on the proposition and coming up with the new proposition, speaking to um, potential customers, focus groups, collating all of that and understanding, okay, this is your this is what your proposition, business model, everything should be, right? Mm -hmm. And that technically isn't digital consulting, but it's yep. like it's it is it's it's like digital and strategy consulting mixed together. Mm -hmm. Then when I'm doing like experience design, again, I would say it's just a little bit further down the the, the level. But when it comes to products, um, sometimes I am, as I said, sorry, repeating myself, but sometimes I am um, coming up with what the product. Um, strategy is but yep. sometimes I'm also managing the product so being like a product owner okay um okay. because I think there's a difference between a product owner and a product manager uh, and it also depends on which firm you go to but in um we we kind of we sometimes we are kind of proxy POs for, mm -hmm. for clients so we end up being POs for their products mm -hmm. which I in my opinion isn't the most ideal thing to, to do right because you technically want someone from, the, from their business doing that but yeah. sometimes they don't have those individuals or the understanding so they they want something quick and dirty which is when we end up stepping in like that mm -hmm. okay yeah this was the part that I was kind of curious about because I was like well if you're a product manager or product owner are you doing it for them or are you doing it within the Deloitte team and then you're kind of like here's the product to the client yeah no usually we're working literally with the client so mm -hmm. it'll be an integrated team with the client so for instance um I may be the PO for instance but there'll yep. be a team underneath um client-based as well as sorry client and obviously Deloitte I will mix um together um obviously you know have some business and have some business analysts some devs mm -hmm. and you know testing and so forth but um at the end of the day the PO would be making those key decisions and yep. um, I've also worked on projects by the way where you know I've worked next to a PO and helped mm -hmm. them and guided them and helped them to do it themselves so it just depends on the client where they are what they're looking for really yeah yeah okay so is this something that you want to continue doing or do you feel like you've like learned what you've got and then you want to kind of pivot somewhere else now um and the question to me is like what do I pivot to next mm -hmm. because I do think that this part of um consulting is very very synergetic to um I think that's a new word synergetic it's a very <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very closely aligned to entrepreneurship and yeah. you being able to take those skills and work on new products and work on stuff yourself like I do love working on products mm -hmm. and I do love coming up with new product ideas proposition ideas so this space is something which I think I want to delve a little bit deeper into as well mm -hmm. so if you were to leave consulting would you want to right off the bat, start your own business? Or would you want to maybe go to a tech startup and kind of learn how they do it first and then go into a new business? I mean, new business, tech startup, they're different, but like, where would you want to start? So if I you think, were to exit? I think, um, I do think that the tech startup life, I, sorry, let me start this one again. Mm -hmm. I do think that I, so I do think that I have a clear understanding of how tech startups work. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have worked with tech startups. I've also um, I've also worked with clients who are in that space as well, or have created a function in that yep. space as well. So 
I wouldn't go to the tech startup, maybe a unicorn. I completely mm. get that, like a unicorn I'd go to, but um, a unicorn would just be like working industry to me, to be yeah. honest. Every, every client is different and it's all about the culture, the way that they work, um, which is how they differ essentially. Mm. So I don't know if I'll take it to another, I don't know if I'll go into industry right now. I haven't decided. Mm. I love consulting. I love the variety of work, but I also do want like a nice life so that I can work on YouTube and stuff of like that on the side as well because consulting doesn't really give me that right now I would mm. say it's really difficult to work our hours in consulting as well as try and fit everything in mm-hmm. so when you say like your current projects or maybe like in the past it has been are very intensive with your work hours and it makes it pretty hard to do like a little side hustle on the side like I know you kind of keep weekends or maybe weekday nights to be for your YouTube channel yeah. but do you find it very hard to balance that? Is it sometimes like almost always going to be long hours or is it kind of like cyclical? Um, it's cyclical, but okay. I don't know when it's going to happen. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Okay. It's really difficult to understand when you're going to be working really late. Like I think um, right now I'm on a really short and sweet four week project, right? Mm-hmm. I know that the, like it's going to, it's, it's going to be really intense. When the, yeah. that these four weeks, I'm not going to be able to film or whatever as much as I wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, but then I know that maybe, you know, a, a week after I might be um, having a bit more of a less intense week because I'm going to be on the bench or something waiting mm-hmm. for my next project, which I know is going to start the week after, for instance. Yeah. So sometimes you can time it and understand it. But a lot of the time when you're actually on a project, like, you know, like, like a six month project, you don't know when something's going to like mm-hmm. mess up or when something, when the client wants something tomorrow. So I don't think, I think it is really difficult to plan properly, mm-hmm. but there are definitely times uh, or loose windows when you know that, okay, I know roughly I'm going to have some time here to work on stuff. Okay, so are majority of your projects short? It's It kind of seems like that. Yeah, like, okay. I would say majority of my projects is, majority of my projects are like one to two months. Oh, wow. I would say. Um, when I've worked on delivery, which is once, I've only worked on delivery once, um, that was a year mm-hmm. for me. Um, I might be starting a, a strategy to delivery project soon. And that's, that's, I know I want to stay on that client for a little bit longer because I Mm -hmm. want to try and see it through delivery and understand the end-to-end process. So, so yeah, um, that would be a long one too, I think. Mm -hmm. But I try to, I try to go, I try to do a bit of strategy, a bit of maybe delivery, a bit, and then I've come back to strategy now. And now I want to go back to delivery just to kind of make sure I keep getting all the skills and not, and sort of just building on each skill instead Mm -hmm. instead of like segmenting myself into one box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is why you should vlog because like, even though we're both consultants, I'm like, I don't even know how your life is going to be like, I didn't even know your projects were that short. Mine were all like at least eight months old. And then some of them are two years old. I mean, it kind of makes sense with delivery, depending on how like big this damn software is, but it would be pretty interesting to see like how your day in your life is. Uh, I mean, like, it seems like you're working in a startup within Deloitte and then you're also working with client, like the interactions seem pretty interesting. And um, it is also pretty cool because it's not just consulting where you're like, here's a slide deck. It's, I mean, you probably do a lot of slide decks too. Yeah, but I do a lot of slide decks. <laughs> <laughs> but you do a lot of cool research, which is like probably what people would be doing in product teams within your tech startups too. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, we, yeah, I would say that our digital arm is more like an agency in a way. Okay. Uh, very creative, but very 
based on insights and data and a lot of the time that data obviously you get secondary but a lot of the time is primary research so mm. we do a lot of like and that's why I call it proposition design it's like coming up with new propositions new products yep. designing for them in terms of your your from your business and business model side to your functional side and then mm -hmm. even your you know your technical side and I don't really do touch the technical side or the testing or whatever but I, I go from like strategy to design I would say mm -hmm. and that's kind of where I focus myself all right so with all of these projects and with a lot of them short term probably you have like tons under your belt but which one was your best project and which one was your worst project so in this case like what did you like rather than like yeah yeah um for me, my best projects are always when I've learned the most. And I know it sounds really corny to say and very cliche, but my best projects to me, like it always depends on what's important to you. Like to mm -hmm. me, it's when I'm learning. And to me, it's also uh, working on a really like on a project, which I just love. Right. And that mm -hmm. for me, is like the actual what I'm doing. So I think the best project I've probably worked on is a, a British retailer come, coming up with their literal their digital strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really interesting because um, we've never worked with a client. It was in the luxury space. Mm -hmm. We've never worked with a client in the UK in that space. So it was really interesting to see. Um, just basically, also, it's a very different culture in terms of, you know, sometimes how they are and how much they yeah. focus on creative. Um, so it was their priorities are very different, which is why I found that really interesting. There was one project which I was working very, very, very intense hours. Mm -hmm. And I, on that project, I definitely did an all-nighter once as well. So that was definitely my worst project. <laughs> and those projects end up being the really short ones because you okay. try and jam pack so much in them that you end up working really late and then, you know, compensating it, uh, trying to compensate it, but you can't because you're working the next day really yeah. late as well. So what percentage of your day is actually client calls or workshops? It re again, it really depends. Mm -hmm. um, there's like and it depends what part of the project you're in because yeah. obviously when you're like you know working on the design stuff on the design side you're going to be like two weeks of workshops yeah no matter what, I would say right mm -hmm. so right now I'm in the workshop stage but then next week I'll be just uh, writing some of our findings and stuff like mm -hmm. that as well and like getting into a powerpoint to give to the client mm -hmm. um so I would say at least 50% of my day is meetings minimum okay. yeah for sure Sometimes it's all day, <laughs> but at a minimum, I do think it's 50%. All right. So enough about careers. We're going to go into the fun stuff, your YouTube channel. So you have a YouTube channel with over 5,000 subscribers. Congratulations, by the way. Thank and you. you also have an Instagram account with over 5,000 followers as well. So I know you mentioned to me, you were playing this for a long time, but like, how did you get the, how did this even get started? Were you playing this even way before when you started at Deloitte or you knew you wanted to do some kind of YouTube channel way before, but you just didn't know what? I had this idea to start YouTube very okay. early on. And actually I think in university, I was one of those bait girls who tried, whom I made one video on doing makeup on myself <laughs> just to just like try it out and realize actually now that, that it's not going to work for me. Um, but I had a I had this idea about doing YouTube for uh, people to get into consulting three mm. like three years ago my like my first or second year of consulting okay so I was like oh people would love to know some of this stuff so but I was like nah um you know no one wants to listen to all this stuff you know there's there's not really anyone who watches YouTube for all this stuff I thought mm -hmm. um so I just parked it and also I just didn't have time with how intense especially your first couple of years in consulting yeah. are learning something new and everything um but with the pandemic I was like 
okay what, what's the worst that can happen let me just try to have so much time I've got nothing I've literally got nothing else to do so <laughs> let me let me just like start it and that's when I decided to start it I also had um basically like one like I do one-to-one helping people with CVs and all this stuff yeah um so I was like why not just give that advice to a lot of people and just direct people to my YouTube videos now so I um started it out of the blue um, didn't really plan it didn't really batch or do all that stuff which you know you're meant to do I did prep in terms of like watching as many YouTube videos on how to start a YouTube channel um, and yeah I started I, I think I had the idea in May mm-hmm. and I started doing it in June okay so I think it's a quick turnaround actually personally when you've got like to get all the equipment and all this stuff and just understand editing and how to edit and all this stuff so it took me um I, I did I, th- I probably did like a month of research I would say mm-hmm. just to make sure that this is something which I definitely want to do long term but there's no point in me doing my efforts on something which is not sustainable or um I won't have fun doing either so but I started it uh you know from May to June okay so out of I know for me at least I was like debating between all the options not just YouTube on how I should do this so were you also contemplating other opportunities like maybe a podcast or maybe like a coaching program or a workshop or anything like that or was YouTube the one that you knew you wanted to do um I didn't even think about podcasts or okay or like or even like coaching programs I didn't even think about it Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, how can I reach the mass audience mm-hmm. very easily? And um, and like, where will my advice help the most mm-hmm. in, in a way? And for me, it was like, okay, people weren't really able to, I didn't really go through this process. Well, now I think about it, like people don't, like, I don't think a lot of people um, find podcasts very easily I think it's really difficult to find podcasts mm-hmm. whereas on, people use YouTube to search for things so I yeah. think that's probably the, one of the best ways to do it yeah so yeah YouTube was is my was my main thing I decided to do and it was my only focus I did think about Instagram at that point mm-hmm. though I was like okay I don't know if there really is a market for this so let me just try some stuff on my Instagram to see if this is going to work and that's what okay. I initially used Instagram for basically okay so okay. Instagram you, you might not I have deleted those posts but in Instagram I started in May okay mm-hmm. and that's when I started doing a couple of posts just to see like you know is this stuff which people wouldn't might might want to want, might want to find interesting yeah. and then in June that's when I started doing YouTube videos by the okay. way so I was testing the audience in a way. So basically what I tried, basically what I'm doing is taking like startup principles and applying it to this, essentially mm-hmm. is what I've been trying to do, um, just to make sure that I'm doing what the audience wants. Okay. So to balance between YouTube and Instagram, was, where was that actual happy medium? Because I feel like some content you can make in a YouTube video, some content you can condense into an Instagram post. And I see like right now, at least it's like slightly yeah. different angles. So where was your strategy there? I don't really have a strategy behind it. It's really bad to say. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. I haven't really thought about this. Um, YouTube is just like long form content. Mm-hmm. Instagram. I'm kind of using Instagram really to push people to my YouTube by okay. small snippets from my YouTube. I wouldn't say like I. I like recently I've been trying Reels and mm-hmm. trying to reach more audience. Um, but my brother says my reels are very cringe, so I should stop them. So um, they may come to a stop as well. So maybe no more reels. Um, but yeah, no, I I just I make I, I basically I think Instagram is making a more like fun content in a way, a little bit more short and snappy 
if you want to find like a condensed version or maybe like mm-hmm. a previous video you can potentially go to my instagram and find that mm-hmm. but my Insta- my youtube is like my long form educational deep like gets into gets into like the nitty-gritty i would say yeah so i'm gonna talk a little bit more on instagram reels so i mean like that are you sure it's not what your brother is saying as a brother or like, is he actually being honest? Because I actually like Instagram reels, but then again, I also probably do a lot of cringeworthy ones and no one's telling me because they don't have the guts to say it. But yeah, I was like, Hmm, girl. <laughs> so I was like, Oh brother, you know, that's not nice. But he was like, no, they're really cringe. So I think, um, I think maybe some, but I do feel like the cringe ones, people love them. People love like my cringe, my cringy ones are the ones that get watched the most. My mm-hmm. educational ones don't get don't get watched at all mm-hmm. so then I'm just like am I doing something wrong by all these educational educational posts like you know so um the cringe ones allow people to also see your personality at the same time yeah I hold this fat yeah do your clients know about your Instagram reels no I don't think so but my partners follow me on on Instagram so they can see it <laughs> for some reason my YouTube channel I have no problem but then my Instagram reels are like oh oh <laughs> I think it's because then it's like more cringy. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like um, it's more cringy. Whereas on YouTube, you like there's so much information that you you doubt they're gonna watch all the way through. That's yeah. how I kind of see it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I can just stick it at the end, you know, stick it at the end or something. <laughs> Whereas with Instagram Reels, it's just so so short that you have to watch the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, or most of the time anyway. So they can literally like they can get that information really quickly. I think. Yeah. All right, so this is probably a juicy question, but how does it feel to be an influencer? What are things people don't know about growing uh, a social media presence? Um, I don't really think I'm an influencer, firstly, <laughs> at all. Can we just say educator? <laughs> really, that that's like my constant fear is like, I, I don't know. I have like a stigma against influencer and I feel yeah. like anyone in the educational area probably feels the same way too. They probably don't want to be concerned cons- at least compared to like a beauty influence or anything like that. Yeah. But I like to consider myself more of the content creator, if anything. That's the word, content yeah. creator. Um, I think I don't, I don't really have something against the word influencer, mm-hmm. but to me, it's someone who's really influenced your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Or a couple of, like for me, it's like a key three, four people who um, I watch who are, inf- yep. who are influencers because they do influence my life or do take some support, sort of snippet from them and apply it to my life. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've even reached that yet. So for me, it's just like content creation. Content creator is the word that I like to use. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that people don't realize is actually just don't, like how much work it is. I think that people mm-hmm. just see the final product. They see that shiny object at the end, but they don't actually understand, okay, it took like a week worth of filming, editing, all this stuff just to get it out there. Um, so if you're like, you know, for people listening who want to start, it is a lot of work and you need to do your homework to understand is this something which you really want to do? Because um, I don't think when you're when you're getting pressurized by the algorithms specifically, yeah. it's not like a I'll post this month and then I'll post a month after or whenever I feel like it. It's like I have to post each week. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like a side job on top mm-hmm. of your main job which is yeah. like I think like for for us that's at least my constant struggle is yeah. I mean like yeah sure I have my own main job 40 maybe 50 yeah. hours a week and then on top of that my weekday nights my weekends where my relaxation I <laughs> all of that is on my side job too so really I have to actually schedule time for personal time yeah and I think it's I think like schedule I think 
I think self-care is really important when you're mm-hmm. doing this because it's really easy to get burnt out. And I think that happened to me in December because mm-hmm. I took so much on with YouTube, with events and stuff like that. And, and you know, obviously consulting. Um, so now I do have one weekend a month where I just literally just do nothing, don't touch mm-hmm. social media. And I try to keep one day a week, which I try to, but it ends up being one day a fortnight where I just, again, do nothing as well. For me, I can't chill in the morning and then yeah. do content creation or I can't do content creation morning and then chill. It's either like I'm working all day for it and then I'll spend my whole time working for it. And then the next day I'll literally do nothing. It's all like nothing. zero or a hundred. That's how yeah. I work. Oh, so your personality um, is like that and your work-life balance is like that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's how I basically work. And um, like, I think it's really important for people to understand how best do they work because some people mm-hmm. can't sit on their chair for four hours straight but I can't I know I can and I can just bash shit out over four hours whereas some people need to take breaks and stuff so it's just listening to your body body and mm-hmm. understanding what works best for you mm-hmm. okay so what are your short and long-term goals with YouTube and Instagram oh. and is this really bad to say but I haven't got goals which I'm like oh I really want to hit Mm-hmm. I'm just doing it because I enjoy it right now. Yeah. Um, I think my goal with YouTube is to be able to get people to like me rather mm-hmm. than like my content. I think yeah. that's my goal with YouTube. Okay. With Instagram, um, it's just a way for me to push people to my YouTube still. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the goal for my Instagram, really. Okay. It's not about numbers for me, it's about um it's not it's not about numbers for me, it's about people enjoying my content and enjoying me at the end of the day and you know they resonate or they relate to me and be able to take something away from me that's really it to be honest Mm -hmm. yeah so I also see you're pivoting your niche on YouTube and I know like I messaged you about this too so like why and what can we expect from you still keeping my corporate content Mm -hmm. but adding in some productivity stuff some side hustle stuff and potentially some investing stuff I'm really like curious not curious I'm really worried about how to do it well mm. and that's the that's my biggest thing right now in my head how do I bring in the stuff like this that I want to talk about but also talk about career and not be um and not like lose people if that makes mm-hmm. sense in terms yeah. of in terms of like how in terms of like them understanding what my brand is Mm -hmm. so I do want to move slightly away from consulting but I don't want people to um be like oh why is she talking about so many different things you Mm. know like investing productivity side hustle stuff but these are just things which I relate to so I um I'm yeah I'm just worried about that flip in a way and I I don't know how to do it well so I need to I need to learn how (laughs) so are you thinking about moving away from consulting completely or just a little bit just a little bit like I don't I don't just want to do consulting content because I think on my channel it's been just consulting content really so I want to move away from that and talk about other things like um you know side hustles which we're we're both doing Mm -hmm. um you know investing which I've been doing as well and then you know maybe some money stuff and productivity stuff Mm -hmm. as well for sure yeah, I, I can say this has been my struggle since day one. Yeah. <laughs> I mm. was like, should I trickle in right away or should I go 
100% tech consulting and then trickle in later on. And then as I look into other YouTube channels, I was like, hmm, you know, Stefan Den, they kind of pivot a little bit away from consulting and yeah. more into finance. And then you also have people who like start off with fashion and then they go to like entrepreneurship and yeah. lifestyle and all of this other stuff. So there are so many different ways. I think it's just really seeing like why maybe it's the messaging. I don't know how they actually pivot themselves, but that, mm. that is constantly on my mind as well. Like, okay, well maybe if like, you know, our jobs are very focused on our career in consulting. Yeah. So what if we left consulting now would everyone leave and exactly. make content yeah. on consulting? I mean, like if you, for example, you were to start your own business as a consulting firm, I think yeah. you could still go over it. But for me, it's either consulting or not. <laughs> so I think it's fair, but I do think that you're right. Your what you do in life is going to change. Yeah. Consulting maybe today, but tomorrow it might not be. So mm-hmm use youtube as a way to kind of show people what, where you are at now what's on your mind now but also what you're interested in as well like i'm interested in investing i'm interested in side hustles and that's where i am right now right so that's kind of um what i'm trying to focus my site i think i'm going to try and focus that a little bit more as well now yeah and the good thing is it's not our main income so we could technically yeah. use it as like sandbox playground do whatever we want and it's not like we're depending on this income <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah. so that's why like you know just use it as a way to talk about things which you like talking about that's how <laughs> i how, that's how i see it and then hopefully you'll find people who will like talking about like listening to that stuff as well <laughs> all right so to close off the episode what is on the horizon for you in 2021 more YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> I also want to make a course on PowerPoint presentations mm. because I spend so much time doing them. And it's actually one of my most watched videos or like mostly resonated videos. So I'm gonna, so expect a PowerPoint presentation course for me. And I think that's enough for mm. 2021. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's been like a pandemic. I'm okay doing small bits and bobs. So those are the two key things, which I think, um, you know, I'm focusing my time on this year. Okay. All right. So where can we find you on social media? Oh, yeah. You can find me at www.youtube.com forward slash management consultant and on Instagram management.consultant as well for now. So speaking about pivoting, are you planning on changing that anytime? I like also your YouTube URL as well. I think eventually I will. Okay. Um, well, right now people know me for consulting so yeah. I'm sticking for it for now I may change my YouTube URL but my username on Instagram I'm going to keep as management consultant for now mm-hmm. until maybe I I hit let's say 10k or something and then I might change it to my to myself okay if that makes sense yep and what can we do to support you yeah just watch my videos I'd love you guys to watch my videos maybe give it a big thumbs up uh I think that's the biggest thing I think you know it's so sweet that people message me and dm me yes but if you just dm message me on my video it would help me against the youtube algorithm that's the biggest killer like that's the youtube algorithm is horrible so yeah it's just um literally you know just liking even just maybe participating in the comment I think that's the biggest way that people can support mm-hmm. me right now actually yeah so that, that that is like my constant struggle everyone yeah. messages me they like post yeah. on their Facebook group great and everything but please do it on my YouTube yeah. channel <laughs> yeah yeah so um I'm even slightly toying into replying to Instagram DMs less and mm. making a commitment to reply to every YouTube comment eventually the, the nice ones not the not the hate ones so <laughs> um so yeah that's what I'm thinking of doing but I just don't know how to do that because I do feel that 
it's rude and it's not right to do that yeah but I do want people to message me on my YouTube more Mm -hmm. so I need to think about how to do that Mm -hmm. well maybe when we do a revisiting podcast episode (laughs) in one to two years we'll see how that goes (laughs) yeah no definitely for sure yeah and then we have one last question which is do you have any last words of advice for our listeners honestly don't care about what other people think do what makes you happy Mm -hmm. and make sure that whatever you do or not do you won't have any regrets about it Mm. so that's my advice for everyone is that usually like your life motto pretty much (laughs) have no regrets just do it (laughs) nike (laughs) drink coke drink drink coke and carry on yeah (laughs) 